Psalm 84 this morning. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh, crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Selah. Which means, stop. Think about this. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, and rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength, every one of them, and Zion appeareth before God. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Think about this. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Can't get much better than that. Grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You once again for Your Word. How wonderful it is. How precious it is. We thank You that we, You have preserved it for us for today, that we can read it, think about it, meditate on it, dwell on it. I pray, God, as we listen to Your Word and hear Your Word, that Your Spirit will work in our hearts, that You would cleanse us of our own selves so that we might hear Your voice and obey it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From this text, it is impossible to discern the author. Some commentators that I've read said it was a Jew in Babylon fleeing. No one said, another one said it was a Jew fleeing from Egypt. F.B. Meyer and Charles Haddon Spurgeon both believe this was a psalm of David in exile from Jerusalem running from his son, Absalom. If you remember Absalom, David's son sparked a rebellion against his father, won the hearts of the people, and chased his own father out of Jerusalem. The reason being, part of it, because of David's own sin. His sin of adultery with Bathsheba, his sin of murder with Uriah, Uriah the Hittite. Whatever the circumstances, David was fleeing for his life. Anointed king, fleeing his home, fleeing in his elder age, in a time of trouble and struggle. In the midst of his exile, David didn't miss the palace the most, didn't miss his throne room the most, didn't miss maybe even Jerusalem. It 
What he missed the most was God's house. He missed God's house. One of the most difficult lessons in life is we often have to lose what we love the most to appreciate it more. We have to lose that which we really don't appreciate so that we might love it more. David was crying out from the death of his soul. He missed spending time with God in his house because the tabernacle, the temple, represented for David a time where he could spend with God. I can tell you this morning without apology, hesitation, or reservation, or equivocation. I love the church. I love the church. And I wonder this morning, do you love the church? Do you love the church? Do you love God's house? Let me give you some reasons why David, I believe, from this psalm, loved God's house. The Bible says there in verse 1, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord, of hosts. He loved God's house because he had a passion for God's house. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate? What do you love? Some of you say, well, I love the Mets. Or I love the Red Sox. Or I love the Braves. I love the Broncos or the Patriots. <laughs> I love food. I love motorcycles. I love college football, college, fo college basketball. If I could do all four of those at the same time, how heavenly it would be. <laughs> but they haven't figured out how to do all four of those at the same time yet. They'll probably figure it out someday. What do you love? I love to love that which Jesus loves. How about you? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Jesus Christ died for the church. He gave Himself for it. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we must love the church as well. He had a passion. He said, how lovely, how wonderful, how awesome, how great. How great are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Not only did he have a passion, he realized that it was a person that he was longing for. He says there in verse 2, My soul longeth, yea, even, even fainteth for the, court, the, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't crying out. He wasn't, he wasn't panting. His heart wasn't longing for programs. Thank God for all the programs we have at Gospel Baptist Church in Gospel Baptist Christian School. we got a lot of programs. We have ministries galore. I get the privilege of being a part of them, but he didn't miss the programs, the activities. I am thank God for the people at Gospel Baptist Church. You folks are closer to me than my own family. I see my dad and sister maybe once a year. I see you all the time. I thank God for the people of Gospel Baptist Church. Things you've done, how you've blessed my family, Wow, I can't, even, I can't even tell you how blessing you've been to me and my family. And I know a blessing to so many people in Bonita Springs and North Naples and South Fort Myers. But David wasn't longing for the people, the priests, the parishioners. He was looking forward to seeing the living God. It wasn't the property, not the buildings. He wasn't looking forward to seeing the, the, the accoutrements 
of the tabernacle or the temple. He wasn't looking forward to seeing the stuff that's in it. I don't come to church and say, oh, I can't wait to see you, Mr. Pulpit. I can't wait to see you, Mr. Carpet. Hey, steps, I can't. I long to see you. Hey, hey, walls, I can't wait to see you. Oh, oh, decorations. Oh, they're lovely. But I can't wait to see you. No. It wasn't the stuff. It wasn't the people. It wasn't the programs or activities. He wanted to be with God. Are you passionate about God? Do you get up on a Sunday morning, can't wait to see what God has to say through His Word, through His Spirit to us? Is your first thought, Lord, what will you, what will you say to me? What, what, what will your Word convict me about? How will, you help me? How, how will your, your Word help me in my life? What are you passionate about? David longed to be with the person, the living God. The other day, I was down in the hospital with Donna McGarity. She said, Pastor Marty, sing me, sing me my song. And we know what song that is. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, I'll carry on. Because I know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because He lives. Folks, we don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. And I hope you came to church this morning not hoping just to get something, but to give your life and worship, and in praise, and sacrifice, and to realize that God, Jehovah God, Jesus Christ lives, and He lives within you today. The church is a consolation to the soul because of His passion, because He came to see the living God. But not only that, church is a conduit to stability. He says there in verse 3, Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself. I can imagine David maybe in his youth going with Jesse and his brothers to the house of God and maybe he remembered that as he was fleeing from Jerusalem because of his son. Maybe he remembered a time when, it was, when he was younger when he held the hands of his little ones and, and they went to the house of God to worship God. Remember he, maybe he remembered a time when, when Absalom, his, his, his lovely son whom he loved, Absalom, remember a time when maybe he carried him and put him on his knee as he I had the opportunity at God's house, but how different times were now. They say if you live so long, you only have your memories. And now David fleeing from his throne has these memories, and he thinks about that little bird, that little sparrow, little swallow up in the up in up near the temple, and sees how that, that bird is, is protecting her young and has a place for the young. And, how he longs to be with his family and his home. You see, church is, is a conduit for stability. It's a place for parenting. One of the greatest places you can bring, you, you, greatest places you can bring your kids is God's house. There's still a place in this world where you can feel safe about bringing your kids. God's house. See? It's vital that we educate our children 
in the knowledge of the Word of God. It is vital. Education is useless without the Bible. The Bible was America's basic text book in all fields. God's Word contained in the Bible has furnished all necessary rules to direct our conduct, Noah Webster said. A thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education, Theodore Roosevelt said. There used to be a place called the Boy Scouts where you could take a young man. And a young man would learn to be a, a mature older man. But that time is gone. I remember my dad took me to Cub Scouts, and I got to be a Boy Scouts. And in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, they taught me to love God, love country, and love your family. But now it's just Scouts. But you know what? Thankfully, there's place, places all around the world, like Gospel Baptist Church, they can, where young folks can come and learn about God. That's why we've come pick up 96. That's why we have Awanas. That's why we have a Christian school. Because Christian education, Christian knowledge is vital. It's vital for young people. Oh, we don't need more sex education in schools. We need Bible education in schools. Oh, will we get back to the Bible. For 10 years, my family quit school when I was a young person. From the time I was seven years old to the time I was 17, they quit, going, they quit going to church because they thought it was financially better for them to work on Sunday. And it may have been, but I can tell you the truth. It was spiritually detrimental. And I've talked to many families since I've been a pastor. And many of one have said, oh, we left church for two years or five years or 20 years or 30 years. And everyone I've ever talked to has told me, I regret it. Because some of you are still living the consequences even today from a time you were away from God. The time you were away from God's house. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us choose to be loving God and loving God's house. At the end of the Sermon on Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus basically gives his conclusion. And he says in Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken to him a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What is Jesus saying? The conclusion of the matter, after chapter 5, 6, and 7, He says, there's storms coming to everybody's house. Storms are coming to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and trust, and storms are coming to those who don't. It rains on the just and the unjust. But I can tell you by the authority of the Word of God, if you put your trust in the Word of God, in God's church, in Jesus Christ, it makes a difference. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen storms come to families, struggle with death, sickness, pain, problems of all kinds and all sorts. And by the grace of God and through the faith of God, they stood like a rock. But I've seen the same problems come to people's life who did not have a firm foundation in God. They, their lives were 
out of sorts and much like a soap opera. When the storms came, oh, my dear friend, great, great was the fall of it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, everyone has a choice here. Everyone has a choice. Because every one of us are going to go through storms in life. There is no doubt about that. Why is the church so important? Because it's a consolation to the soul. The church is a conduit to stability. Thank God it's a place where we can parent properly. But not only that, it's a place of praising. Look at verse 4 again. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. The house of, a, the house of God is a place where we can come and praise God. Think about the songs that we sing here. Amazing grace, how great thou art. Holy, holy, holy. It is well with thy soul. Great is thy faithfulness. Praise the Lord, the Almighty. Be thou my vision. All creatures of our God and King. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Blessed assurance. To God be the glory. When I survey the wondrous cross, Jesus paid it all. A mighty fortress is our God. How firm a foundation. Come thou fount of every blessing. Crown him with many crowns at the cross. What a friend we have in Jesus. And we just heard, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Aren't you glad for the house of God that you can come and praise God? You say, well, my praiser's not too good. Well, praise him anyway. <laughs> it didn't say you have to praise him very well, but it did say praise him. Do you praise God with your life? So often in life, we focus on our problems. How much of your time last week was focused on your problems and how much of your time was focused on praising God? Think about it. Oh, if we would praise Him more, our perspective would change, wouldn't it? Or we're so focused on what's happening in the White House, or what's happening over there, or what's happening over here, or what's happening to my neighbor, or what's happening to that parishioner, or what's happening to the preacher, or what's happening. Folks, get out of all that and say, Lord, I praise you. And your life will be different because you're thinking on thoughts that are heavenly instead of earthly. It says dwell. It says dwell. Blessed are they that dwell. Happy are those that dwell. It does not mean hit and miss or sporadic. Dwell means to remain, settle, permanence. The best, Christian, the best Christians I know are those who dwell in God's house. The best Christians I know are those who dwell in God's house. God's house. Why? 1 Timothy 1.3 Because God's house is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. When you forsake the church, when you leave the church, you're leaving the truth. I know many Christians say, well, I can do without the church. You Can you? Can you? The day I got saved, April the 15th, 1989, the pastor said, Marty, the youth pastor said, Marty, once you start going to church, the next the day I showed up and they couldn't even believe it. Now I know why. But you know what that was? That was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Because it was in the house of God, I got grounded in the Word of God. It was in the house of God, I got encouraged by the people of God. It was in the house of God, I got challenged to serve God. Oh, how wonderful the church is. 
How wonderful it is. Oh, it's a consolation to those who are going through struggles in life. It's a stability, conduit to stability. But I say to you, it's a comfort in stress. You see, the Bible says here in verse 6, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The valley of Baca is another term for weeping or trouble or difficulty. David's going through a difficulty. He's going through trouble. He's going through pain and, 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 and the process of hurt and discouragement and frustration. The reality is we all go through that. We all go through the valley of the shadow of death part of our life. It is the, the process of help us to help us become more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We must go through that valley. But you know, it says go through the valley, not stay in the valley. The Bible says that going through this valley of Baca, this valley of weeping, the rain also filleth the pools. They make it a well. What are you going through today? Maybe some of you are going through pain. Arthritis bothering you? Back problems, knee problems, hip problems? Maybe personal anxiety, stress in your life? Because of decisions maybe you made in the past or decisions your family is making for you right now, maybe you're going through some stress, some anxiety in your life. Maybe you're going through personal depression. I talked about in Sunday school class, do you know that one in six of all Americans are on some type of psychiatric drugs? And many of these psychiatric drugs cause depression. Many of the opiates that many people are on today, one of the side effects of the opiates is depression. Many people are depressed today. Many people are discouraged. Maybe you're discouraged about your health or health of a loved one. Sometimes the health of a loved one is, is more discouraging for you than actually the person going through it. I remember my mom who took care of my grandmother, and she was so discouraged because my grandmother wasn't getting better. Ultimately, I believe it caused her life. You're going through some discouragement right now? What do you do? Give up? Go away? No. You see, God has a plan for you. You may be deep in that valley, but I'm going to tell you, the farther you are down that valley, the closer you are to water. Joseph, in prison, provided wisdom. People were helped, and God was glorified. Daniel, in the lion's den, oh, he was in trouble. But the king looked down and said, Daniel, are you still living down there? Are you still alive? Daniel? Oh, people were helped and God was glorified. Paul and Silas in jail, not woe is me, woe is me, gloom and despair, but praising God in the midst of their stripes and their troubles. And the jailer heard it, that Philippian jailer heard it and was saved in his whole house. People got saved and God was glorified. What does God want to do through your pain? What plan does God have for you in the valley? Oh, dear friend, God have a, has a purpose and a plan for the problems that you're going through. Through, If you would just deep, dig down a little deeper and get closer to God, He will show you and He'll give you the opportunity to minister to Him to others. Remember when I went to see Paul Carr, he passed away on Sunday night or early Monday morning. On Thursday, I went to see him. He was doing okay. On Friday, I went to see him. He was doing remarkably well. 
He talked so much, I almost missed nursing home ministry. He just talked and talked and talked, and he talked so much that I left him. I said, Paul, I'll come back and get some more. Because I wanted to hear everything he had to say. Then I went back on Saturday. He wasn't doing very well at all. Now, as I was getting ready to leave, and I gave him the check for $2,800 that you folks gave to him, he said, Marty, tell the church, I love them. I said, Paul, I love you. He said, Marty, I love you. Where do you get that? (laughs) But in the church. He loved the church. But you know what he looked forward to? He looked forward to going home and being with Jesus even more. Now him and Beverly and Howe and so many others that we miss that are on these walls no more pain and no more problems, no more hip replacements or knee replacements, no more drugs or diets. Thank you, Jesus. They're in a better place. They're in a better place. You see, as we come into the house of God, we receive strength and we give strength. The Bible says in verse 7, then go from strength to strength. Everyone before them, Zion, appears before God. We come in the house of God. You may have a trouble. You may have a problem. You may be going through some pain, but somebody hears about it and they say, I'm praying for you. Another person says, I'm praying for you. Another person says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. We go from strength to strength, from company to company, from person to person to be encouraged. Oh, you say, I like that TV preacher. He's not going to text you. That TV preacher's not going to call you. He doesn't know your name. He's not going to come down to the hospital and say, can I pray with you, brother or sister? No. No. Thank God the church the comfort and stress because the problems we go through, the plan He gives us, and the people He helps us. Is the church important to you today? You realize the church is a consolation to the soul. Church is a conduit to stability. Church is a comfort in stress. But finally, this morning, church is a chance to serve God. Pastor Nikki Chavers was a pastor of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. I was about 19 years of age. He said, Marty, I got a job for you. I said, oh no. Oh, no. You never know what they're going to tell you, dude. You know, as preachers. So, Marty, I want you to teach the fifth and sixth grade boys. Oh, no, I can't do that. (laughs) That is impossible. Teach them. I don't know anything about the Bible myself. I I was only been saved a year or two. You want me to teach these fifth and sixth grade boys? It seemed impossible to teach fifth and sixth grade boys. What I didn't know about it was what he was teaching me. Because the more I taught, the more I learned, the more I wanted to know, the more I wanted to give. And it was a continual process of learning and giving out and learning and giving. And it helped me grow and grow and want to grow even more. It gave me the opportunity, the chance to serve God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, where in this church, Gospel Baptist, or a church that you attend, wherever it may be in this country or some other country, 
Where is your opportunity to serve? Where have you put your hands on and say, I am putting my hands on this ministry. By God's grace, I'm going to do it and I'm not going to look back. Maybe the bus. Maybe the nursing home. Maybe the grounds. Because all these things are important. Every area is important. I love the church because it's a wonderful privilege to matter, no matter who you are or what you have. It doesn't matter if you have good credit or bad credit <laughs> or no credit. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference if you even come on the good side of the tracks or the bad side of the tracks or if you don't even know where the tracks are. It doesn't make a difference who you are. You have an opportunity to serve God. David said, he said in verse 10, for a day, just one day, a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. This was the king, the king who sat on the throne, who could easily, any time he could go to the temple but now he's in exile. He lost that which he was easily afforded to him. He lost that which he could go to on a regular basis. Because sometimes doing things on a regular basis, it can, if we allow it, get mundane. But I ask you today, if Gospel Baptist Church was closed today, and there was no church next week, would you miss it? I believe there's coming a day in America if the Lord tarries where we may not have the house of God. We might have to go back to meeting in homes and in shelters and holes and tents. If this place was no longer around and this place wasn't a church but maybe a hotel or hospital, would you miss the teaching and preaching and ministries and folks of Gospel Baptist Church? David in exile looked back and thought about all the times he'd been in the house of God, but he wasn't in the house of God now. He was away from the house of God, and he thinks, oh, if I could just be a doorkeeper. If I could just stand right out there and hold the door for folks as they came and go. I don't have to be in the pews. I don't have to be the preacher. I don't have to, take the, I don't have to be the usher. I don't have to be important. I just want to be around God's house. I just want to be near God. Oh, what a spirit he had. What a longing he had. What a thirst of God he had. And how different what he had is what we have. He said, what a privilege. Because he realized what a provision. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold for them that walk uprightly. God gives provision. He's given us the sun. The sun a bit a little closer, it would fry us to death. A little further, we'd all freeze to death. It's perfectly placed for every individual. Aren't you glad? Oh, I know it's going to get warm here. <laughs> June, July, August, October, September, November. I mean, <laughs> it gets warm. But thankful for the heat. I'm thankful for the warm. He gives provision. He gives protection. 
Aren't you glad that God protects you? That He's, he's taking care of you? Oh, dear friends, how blessed we are in the United States of America. There's nobody in this room who's hungry today. There's nobody in this room who needs shelter today. There's not one person in this room who's not been provided for and taken care of for today. We have abundance. He's provided for us. He's protected for us. And He's not only that, He's given us our pleasures. No, no good thing. No good thing will He withhold from them that walketh uprightly. Think of the things that God has given for you that you don't even need. He's given you your wants. I never thought I'd have a Harley Davidson. Never. 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 I, thought, I never thought I'd live in Florida. Florida, never. Have a house here? No. That's where folks that are vacation go. Uh, you have a, a motorcycle. You have a house. You have a wife. You have two kids. God's blessed you. He's given you things. He's helped you. He's protected you. He's provided for you. What else do we want? God has given us so much. He is good. He is good. You know what pleasure it is to see these young folks come up here and perform? You know how wonderful it is for me to be able to go to fine arts and see these kids do these things? You know how great it is for me to go to a wedding where I used to be in my youth group 10 years ago and see them, a boy marrying a girl, a girl marrying a boy? You know how wonderful it is for me to see some of these kids that I minister to, my wife ministered to, for 17 years graduate from Bible college? That's why we came. That's why we came to see these kids walk across the stage, get a, get a degree from a Bible college, to get married, to go on and be successful in their life because they did it God's way. There's no greater joy. There's no greater joy. He's given us pleasure. He's given us pleasure. Oh, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, church the consolation to the soul, church the conduit to stability. It's a comfort and stress. It's a chance to serve God. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing like church. Do you love it? September the 10th, 2017. That's the last time I didn't get to go to church. Hurricane Irma, remember her? Have you forgotten her already? We got up, I think about 8, 9 o'clock, a lot later than usual. Storm wind was already blowing a little bit. Went to the house, turned on, turned on the TV. TV got a little bit of TV reception, got to watch a sermon. At the end of the sermon, we prayed. After we prayed, we all talked about what we're going to do. We all got inside in my bedroom, the the closet of our bedroom and our in our bedroom. We all took all the stuff out and piled in there and put our stuff in there and thought about, oh, how I wish I was in church that day. Oh, I, I wish I wasn't going through this storm. But through that whole thing, I was getting texts from people in the church praying for you. Church, folks from churches up north, are you crazy? I'm still praying for you. 
What are you doing in Florida? You should be up here with us. No, I'm here in Florida. But I'm praying for you. All around, all over the world, all over the country, people praying for you, praying for you, praying for you, praying for you. I thought to myself, oh, where would I be without a church like Gospel Baptist Church? Where would I be? Folks love one another. They come together on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all times throughout the year to praise God and to love on one another, encourage one another, help one another. How wonderful church is. Then after the storm, folks from our church came and helped us. And I got to go help other people. And I've never been so proud of Gospel Baptist Church than after Irma. Because God's people helped other people. And that's part of what it's about. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as yourself. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you love church? Do you love it? Have your love for God and God's house waned? Oh, I don't love it like I used to. I struggle to get up. I, I get discouraged. I get frustrated. I don't love it like I used to. When I was a young man, between the 7 and 17, I hated God's house. I absolutely hated God's house. My parents forced me to be here. But at 17 years of age, Jesus came by. And He changed my whole world. And now, it is part of my everyday life. I love it. Do you? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. Thank You for loving us so much. Thank You for dying, sending Your Son to die for the church. Help us to love it. Help us to encourage others to be in your house, to be, to hear your word, to be saved and to know you. We thank you for the ministry and those who've had a part in ministering at Gospel Baptist Church and so many other churches throughout this country and other countries. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Help us to do all we can to love the church and bring people to church so they could see Christ crucified and be saved as well. Speak to our hearts and do what I cannot do. Help other people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to if you would like to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why don't you do it right now? It's simple, really. Here's a couple of Bible verses that will help you to understand. Probably the most well-known verse in all of Scripture is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That verse says, whosoever believeth. The whosoever is you. But the whosoever believes what? Number one, you need to understand that you are a sinner. God says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, you need to understand that nothing that you can do, getting baptized, belonging to a church, going to a church, donating money, while all good things, they will not satisfy a just God. God says in Titus 3.5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to God's mercy, He saved us. And number three, you need to understand that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day, and if you believe that, God promised in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
your prayer of confession could go like this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner unworthy of your mercy, but ask for your mercy and your forgiveness. I know I can't get to heaven on my own, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day that I might be saved and have a new life. Save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you ask Jesus to save you, would you do me a favor? Let us know so that we can pray for you and rejoice with you. Our church phone is 239-947-1285. The website is www.gospelbaptistchurch.com or go to iTunes podcast at gospelbaptistchurch.com.